This is Lauren Weymouth recording from San Francisco, California, your host of All About Blockchain. We're speaking to another startup who went through an Uber Accelerator program to explore the successfully developed use case of entertainment, specifically transforming distribution and economics of premium digital content. Our guest today is Michelle Munson, co-founder and CEO of a hot new startup called Alluvio. It's transforming the entertainment industry with blockchain. We'll hear all about what that means for our viewing experience and who is involved, but I want to gush a little bit about Michelle Munson. Michelle is an Emmy award-winning technologist, a pioneer in digital video transport technology. With her invention, which I had to look this up, it means replaced satellite and traditional tape-based delivery services. She co-founded and led the company Aspera as CEO through an acquisition by IBM. And that's just to say that she is already a successful entrepreneur who drives successful businesses from zero to hero, which has had her win awards like the International Trade Association for Broadcast and Media Industry Entrepreneur of the Year and was named one of the top 25 people to watch by TV technology. You'll hear what a widely busy CEO and business leader she is, but what I want you to know is that she's an engineer by trade and she also gets her hands deep into the tech, troubleshooting, complicating coding when necessary. And Michelle holds 10 patents. With a role model like this, we hope this episode lowers the barriers to women entering the field. Michelle, welcome to All About Blockchain on International Women's Day. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. All right, great. So you're a fast and furious startup woman, probably always on the go, uh, in one of the most cutting edge fields going mainstream. How do you relax? Oh, what a nice way to start out the conversation. First of all, I really enjoy living in Berkeley and uh, Berkeley is amenable to many things outside of work. And one of the things I've always enjoyed is getting outdoors, being active. I like to run. I'm a CrossFitter and I actually did a lot of dance growing up. So I still do bar. I enjoy those things a lot. I also have two kids and I love doing things with them. They're both boys. And I wanted to say in regards to your introduction, well, I have ended up doing a lot with digital media in my career, I actually am foremost someone for the internet. And I've been working on content over the internet most of my life. That's sort of the common thread through all of this. Got it. Awesome. Well, thanks for the intro. I am now picturing you running around after your boys. (laughs) It keeps you in shape as well. All right. So blockchain is so fast paced. How do you keep up with the constant changes? Well, I think most fundamentally, Lauren, I've enjoyed being in blockchain because it really aligns with why I've been interested in the internet since I really discovered web browsing and was graduating as an undergrad. I want to step back and say a little bit because this will kind of put into context what I mean. The year after I graduated from college, I started an internet service provider in my hometown in Kansas. This is something a lot of people would never know about me. I am from a farm community and this were the times when you really didn't have broadband internet in these communities. And I also really did fall in love with the web when I discovered it, mostly because I could really get it ideas everywhere. This is another thing where now, you know, 20 years plus in the Bay Area, it's hard to think this way, but we honestly did not have access to absolutely everything in the Midwest when I was growing up. And I really valued ideas. The internet kind of spawned the possibility that you could really, you know, transcend those boundaries. And I got really excited about it early. The reason this connects to blockchain is because I ended up going to grad school in computer science and getting into entrepreneurship and what was the first wave of content over the internet after I got out of my master's degree. And, you know, 20 years later, approximately, here we sit, 2020, now 21, we've got this new era 
of the internet. And blockchain to me is not only the organizing principle of that, it's also the way that's really democratizing the internet as a technology platform. And that's what I'm all about. I have always worked to try to you know, advance what the internet can do for us. And then I think that this opening that blockchain created is really reconfiguring everything. First of all, it has huge economic power. We already see that in crypto. I love that because I actually like scale and I like to see systems grow big on natural forces, which capital helps. And then the second thing that's really fantastic about it is when you get into ownership and provenance, which is what we're really interested in in Alluvio, that is how do you really take digital IP and make it possible? for a creator to monetize that at scale and, and audiences to own in that, right? That also aligns with why I think it's important to innovate for the internet. Lastly, I think it solves social problems, really, or it can, in ways that maybe are a bit more creative than what we often find in sort of the tired debates. Well, that was amazing because you kind of just answered my next two questions, which was more about how you got involved in blockchain and what excites you about the industry. But the thread that I really heard from internet to blockchain was democratizing access. Yeah, that's exactly really providing a solution, right? That's right. So this is kind of fun and kind of recent. You recently spoke on a panel timed around Sundance, and that's one of my favorite film festivals. So yeah, I was excited to see that. And it was for streaming film and the NFT initiative. Mm -hmm. What, What are the cliff notes from your session there? What was the message that you left? Well, this was a really interesting opportunity that we're seeing repeating itself. In this case, IndieFlix and the CEO of IndieFlix and their holding company, Liquid Media Group, wanted to really start pioneering around blockchain distribution and also engagement. And so we did a pop-up screening of the Angst film, which is created by Sheila Andreen, who is herself a, a fantastic independent film producer, not to mention the fact the CEO of IndieFlix. And we also had an NFT offer around that that was really for the community around positive mental health. This theme, which was more social causal motivated, really is kind of the bread and butter of all the things we're involved in commercially. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, we power Fox's Masked Singer Marketplace, which, as you can see, is a wide range in the spectrum of creativity from angst and mental health over here with IndieFlix. Because of having this utility for content in the large and being able to tokenize it, we're now starting to see this going through many different pockets of creative work. I mean, not just obviously film and TV, more traditional, but getting into very non-traditional formats that are a lot more interactive and then all the way back to more static media like books. Yeah, tokenization is providing all kinds of new things for people in this field. All right, let's dive into Alluvio. What are the problems you're setting out to solve with blockchain? So if you think about a creator that has to this date made digital IP and a lot of it video, what are your choices? What are your choices to reach your audience? Your choices are basically the Web2 platforms, which have large audience scale, but they take essentially ownership of your content. They license it in some form, either directly or indirectly. If you're on an advertising platform, you're basically being used to to draw advertising dollars. If you're going to Netflix, you're basically licensing, right? So the first problem right there is that the creator doesn't keep ownership of their IP. Imagine if we did that in technology. I often think being an entrepreneur has created a lot of tech. It's hard to imagine just basically giving over ownership of your IP, particularly when it's something that really matters to you and which can have very substantial value, either in your small community or in the large. Second issue, right? Second thing about blockchain in this compared to Web2 situations, the audience. 
what's the audience in Web2? Well, they're basically broadcasted to. And their engagement is directly monetized, as we know, by all the Web2 platforms through advertising dollars. In, in the blockchain world, you can not only have complete provenance over your data, you can also own into the media that you support. And with that, we see an explosion of strategies to really take advantage of NFTs as an instrument to not only you know, start by giving people a way to, to have a new identity with the creative work, but also to start to be owners and create additional you know, value, liquidity on top of this with retrading possibilities. And I think the instrument is so powerful this way that we're, we're just at the very beginning of what one could actually do with it. So the whole idea of Luvio is to make it possible to scale this up. Right. One of the things that doesn't exist, and if you look behind the scenes in Web 2.0 content distribution and storage platforms, is the fact that, first of all, they're 20 years old. CDN's IPO, the first, let's see, Akamai's IPO is like 1999, I think, so 20 plus. And then on top of that, they've kind of like grown up as these siloed supply chains that sort of service this Web 2.0 kind of licensing and broadcast streaming model. And they're very big now, but nothing about that allows for creator ownership. Nothing about that allows for true low-cost distribution that could scale up direct to audience. Nothing about that allows for the content itself to be trustless in its distribution so the audience could actually engage directly with it. Nothing about it allows for people to actually own into the media that they have taken advantage of NFTs as instruments to do that, right? So what we've done is create a platform that makes that possible. And we're all about being able to scale this for premium experiences, any kind of digital IP, and then to make it possible for an audience through a wallet to be able to engage with that, both buy into it and also watch it. Imagine now you're a hero for all the artists and the content makers who have been looking for a way to take power over their own economics and cut out the middlemen for years. Is there anyone else doing this in the space? Do you have competitors? With some humility about all this, this is at the very beginning, right? I mean, we're just at the point where the whole loop, if you will. The whole cycle is possible, right? It's one matter to have the technology to do it. It's another to have the mainstream adoption of things like, you know, NFTs to start with so that people even think in this direction. And we're just getting to the point where creatives are starting to realize how you could actually build a new kind of cycle of engagement with audiences along the way, not just in the end product. So I think it's in part to be able to create technology to unlock this. It's a whole nother for the whole ecosystem to start to form around it. And I think we're at the very early days of this. As far as your question goes, I think what we've done with the content fabric is very novel and original. It's very difficult. I'm sure that there are overlaps in many other areas, but we did create it from scratch with this goal in mind. And we're early enough in the cycle now that our concerns or barriers are not about being a lookalike, but more about having the rest of the the ecosystem be able to form around this. And that is why we're involved in many of the projects that you see. Lastly, I don't think anybody's proven how this is going to totally last and scale and make the kind of commercial impact, the kind of money that traditional Web2 distribution does. And with all of the Web2 companies getting into pseudo content creator models, introducing NFTs into Web2 platforms, 
creating new kinds of NFT marketplaces. It's going to be a very, I think, fuzzy situation for a while till it really gets clear the difference between owning and distributing your content and just giving it over to an NFT platform on a Web 2.0 environment, right? Yeah, I mean, you've really helped us think about this from a business perspective. I mean, you can spend all this time getting the technology sound and scalable and and perfected, but then you have to spend some time educating the market on it and actually showing them what the value proposition is. Totally. You've had some well-known customers so far, I think some to name Blockchain Creative Labs, the NFT studio Fox Entertainment, and their animation studios, Bento Box, MGM Studios. Has that helped you bring in new clients and really get the conversation going? Yeah, tremendously. I think every project that, that gets going has, fortunately, some early adopters that help to give it lift, right? And I just want to say a huge thank you to two of our early customers. Microsoft actually was the very first large use of our wallet. They did a a launch of Windows 11 that was a streaming concert. It was actually an augmented reality production with the streaming concert and multicam view plus an NFT giveaway. That's the first time we brought out our wallet at larger scale. It was great for us to get a substantial user base going. And then Fox with just tremendous opportunity through the Maskverse. That's the Mask Singer marketplace and NFT game, which allowed us to build more primitives than we had ever created before, because that is a, a full-blown gamified experience. It's now in its second phase and it has a pretty big community. We also launched retrading on the top of that and basically tenant rebrandable marketplaces that go into a, a whole universal space for listing and retrading NFT media. And then coming up, there's actually going to be a major announcement with one of the biggest NFT projects we've been involved in yet, uh, which also has to do television. I can't reveal till it comes out who it is, but certainly having these opportunities, number one, to build out the technology, improve it, to learn our operations, and also then the credibility. One of the biggest challenges for blockchain startups and blockchain technology is moving to the mainstream, right? We put huge amount of effort into to making an user experience that we think can really work for every person to be able to participate in purchase of non-fungible tokens, holding in their wallet, enjoyment in their wallet, and also to cut the cost down of the, the, the whole thing, the content storage distribution and minting. So you could do NFTs that aren't just a giant cost for collectors, right? I think being with these bigger brands, it's just a massive opportunity to prove that out. And then along with that, we've been lucky to have some smaller creators like Sheila Andreen with IndieFlix. And you're going to see in the next few weeks, a combination of launches around what our individual artists in various genres, very excited. We'll have one release in music coming up very soon. And then also sports. Fortunately, the big sports market is always very, very on top of these things. And there's a lot of room left in there to do some interesting things. So that's what we're involved in. And I really feel to your point that the only way we get started is to have these early things, right? Yeah. And those are great examples of what your clients are using your products and services for. So thanks for sharing those. We actually haven't gone deep onto NFTs in the show in any episode. So I'd love to just take a step back. And even for those who haven't bothered to explore the acronym NFT, it's a non-fungible token. It's a unit of data stored on a blockchain. So you can think about digital files such as photos, videos, 
this audio, and each token is uniquely identifiable. So we'd love to hear about the NFT derivative minting you're providing for all ranges of content experiences. And one thing that makes Alluvio different is that the media content and the associated NFT are interconnected. Can you explain a little bit how that differs from more conventional NFT or blockchain networks? Yeah, maybe before I even say anything about this, I'll tell you a little anecdote. I think it was 2018. This is very early in the NFT world. I went to the San Francisco College of Art and Design for a workshop because I wanted to recruit some design people into our team. And there was actually a small panel talking about owning your art on the blockchain. And I remember sitting in the audience of that, just thinking to myself, you know, this is exactly why we're making the content fabric. Because the content fabric is basically your vehicle whereby you can effectively publish and distribute with these like premium scalable properties something that is also backed by a blockchain contract and that can have its own blockchain primitives. That's the basic idea of content in the fabric. Back then, the examples were really narrow in terms of particularly digital art, right? Long before the people happened. What makes this whole idea so powerful now is the fact that the content objects that are in the fabric not only have a blockchain address, but also any reading of them is authorized through a contract transaction. And that authorization criteria can be any policy, including NFT ownership. So first of all, just the distribution itself is inherently permissioned through a blockchain transaction which itself can be tied into token ownership. So there's your direct linkage, and that's everything we do. Every representation, all, every stream, every static read, every download of content, every play out, you name it. That's how the fabric works. Then you add on the fact that the fabric objects are programmable. They can have code. And that includes being able to couple them with dynamic smart contracts. And so minting an ERC-721 mint operation is just another contract operation in the fabric. So a content object can be a template for a set of NFTs that are minted on a 721 contract. And because of the fact that each of those objects is not a file copy, instead it's a template with a set of references to bytes, it's very efficient to be able to read a object that's nearly the same for every NFT, just changes a bit in metadata, and then pipe that data to a contract transaction, which runs directly in the fabric, which is itself a full stack blockchain. And because, you know, we decided partly because of Ethereum's maturity to build a, a full EVM stack into the fabric early on, it makes it easy to then introduce primitives like minting of 721 contracts. And that's exactly what we do. So every content object, once it's published, can be made an NFT template and minted directly in a single or in bulk as, uh, as um, ERC-721 contracts, Ethereum-based NFTs. And then all those NFTs that are owned can be permissioning criteria for any media experience the content fabric serves because of the first property. So you've got a linkage and you've got a low-cost minting factory for the content. And so what we're really all about at Alluvio is at least what our goal or vision is that we could then unlock the ability to use an NFT as essentially your certificate of right or ownership to any experience with digital content. 
And can you give us some examples maybe so to help our listeners conceptualize? Yeah, yeah, sure. So first streaming, so streaming a film or streaming an episode, for example. In the case of a live channel, for example, having an NFT that unlocks your ability to watch that. Highlights, having an NFT that essentially that you create a place from a start point and an end point and on a clip or on a live stream that you're making in place and it's minting in front of you. And then, of course, also what we think of as traditional NFTs, just short animations that get published into the fabric that are essentially minted on demand. For example, when a pack is opened, right, which is one of the primitives that's utilized in the Mass Singer. It allows for this interplay between permissioned access to media, right, and then also the direct publishing if you're the creator where this becomes your means of selling. Got it. That makes sense. Now, you also have Alluvio Live that provides ticketed streaming events and media marketplaces for global artists, including Black Eyed Peas. Have you gotten feedback so far on how this is working or what it's bringing to the marketplace? Well, Alluvio Live is the platform by which we provide all of the support for marketplaces, NFT minting, and all forms of streaming exhibition directly on top of the content fabric. So all of the companies and artists doing this are tenants of Alluvio Live. Got it. Okay, so that is the mothership. Alluvia Live is that's okay. The everything you've been discussing is Alluvia Live. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. And the core technology is the content fabric. That's the blockchain and content. Okay, fabric. thanks for stringing that together. We'd love to hear about your Berkeley Blockchain Accelerator experience. Maybe what stage was Alluvio in when you entered the program, and what had you choose this particular program? As far as Accelerator goes, I I think, first of all, UC Berkeley is how I learned about blockchain in the first place. Just kind of connecting back after Shaban and I left IBM and Aspera, which was really my first company in my 14 years of my life, right? In that summer of 2017, we were thinking about creating the fabric and we thought we wanted to make it natively a blockchain, but it was very, at least for us, very new. And my approach to it was to kind of immerse myself into blockchain at Berkeley when the undergraduate organization that was starting to have all kinds of outreach in tech around what blockchain technology was. And then through that, I ended up going to the CESC conference, which was hosted at Cal, which is one of the biggest academic conferences around blockchain, and kind of got my feet under myself in terms of what was the state of the art. And then over that year, started to go to all of the blockchain at Berkeley symposiums. I went every week to everything. And at that point, I learned about the accelerator being formed and decided to apply. At that stage, Olivia, we had just gotten our first customer, MGM Studios, onto the content fabric. This was before. 2019 was before NFTs, as you know, at least this current like huge explosion. We thought, you know, the accelerator would be a great way to expand our horizons, get more understanding of the whole space, and also have contact with other entrepreneurs and investors, and also keep and deepen our relationship with the academic side at Cal. And all of that proved out. We also hired several people from Cal. In fact, one of my closest colleagues here that does a lot of core blockchain software Software is someone that I met through a blockchain at Berkeley and is a Cal graduate among many people who work here. So, so yeah, it ended up being a big kind of network for us. We can hear that you're a fan. I mean, it sounds like you got everything you set to get out of it. And being able to hire talent in this town to boot is exceptional. For other startups that are thinking about maybe doing an accelerator, what advice would you give them if they were entering the program now? 
Well, I'm sure all programs are different. The great thing about the Accelerator at Cal is that it's deep and tied to the university in a meaningful way, right? You get all the resources of what that means, which is quite different than just an accelerator, the quality of the people starting at the very top. And then I think the the awareness out, one of the goals of the Accelerator is to gain awareness into the investing community. Blockchain's a bit different than traditional investing. And one of the things I think the program does an exceptionally good job of is really expose the many models that you can use to scale up a blockchain company, including token offerings. And I feel that it's been very early on in this ahead of the game at many other places, right? So those are, I think, some of the key advantages. Nowadays, incubators are are very common and probably there are too many of them, right? But a true, you know, gem that's a specialist in the space of blockchain, I think that's where the accelerator at Berkeley comes in. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I don't know if you've already said it, but when it comes to Alluvio's fundraising, are you bootstrapping or what stages are you in in financing? Oh my, that's a great question. We were lucky that we got to bootstrap our company in the early phase and that worked very nicely for us to get to a point of a Series A. And then last summer we closed our Series A investment and the timing was very good because of the climate just in blockchain in general. And for us, it also was at a point where we had a mature enough stage of our technology and even the beginnings of a go-to-market strategy that it was quite well-timed. I don't know what we'll do for future phases because we are quite intent on fully opening our platform, which opens up new models for investing, like, for example, token offerings. That's great. Anything you share about your 2022 roadmap, what next steps are for Alluvio? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because we really are committed to this idea that creators could actually self-distribute and because we think NFTs are a powerful instrument for allowing them to monetize and engage fans, we are scaling up what are the Alubio Live primitives so that any creator can get at those and then fully opening our platform so that all of the power of blockchain economics can go into that. We're a quasi-open platform right now and that the protocol is, but the coming on to the platform requires that you be an approved tenant, right? And that's something that we think can be fully open within this year. And this is kind of a stepping back big question. I love to ask this question of those I'm interviewing, especially because, for example, at the beginning of 2020, most of us hadn't heard of NFTs. And by the end of 2021, that's all anyone could talk about. Where do you think the industry will be five years from now? Well, I'm old enough that I saw the very first bubble, right? We talked about it at the beginning. When I was just getting started in my career, there was a huge bubble around streaming. And in the beginning, there was a huge appetite and the tech wasn't there to support the quality that people needed. And so then there was a grand bursting and a lot of money chased after it. There was a grand bursting of that bubble. Tons of companies went out of business. The technology itself started to actually truly mature to a point that we have what is today's Web 2.0 video storage distribution supply chain, right? I think while every era is different and this one has many unique characteristics that some of that will happen here too. That's why I feel that, first of all, the conception of NFTs right now is incredibly narrow and greatly duplicitous, meaning that there are countless companies doing exactly the same thing, helping to create collector NFTs from very narrow examples of art that are being thrown out to try to gain maximum value per offering. It's very much a narrow application of that instrument in my view. So I think that's going to run its course um, and that more lasting models 
that are about using an NFT to scale audience to creator engagement and liquidity is where things are going to go. The part that I think people say that is a bit cliche about gamification, I do really believe in. The basic sort of human motivations to be part of this are identification. I want to identify with this creative work and the incentive of doing, which is the gamification, right? Being involved in this. And then thirdly is what I can earn over time, right? And those are the three elements that I think are going to get really sort of blown up at scale. And then with that, to kind of get back to your point, I think there's going to be a bit of a cycle that things go through around that. And we're definitely trying to build for the long term. Yeah, that's interesting that you say the identification piece for the consumer with the artist. I talk about this with friends. I'm dating myself, but when you used to buy a cassette tape, a record, a CD, you'd physically have it, you'd open it, you'd read the music, you'd get into the writing on it, and you felt like you had real ownership and you identified with the artist and kind of are missing that piece right now with mp 3s and right. so it's all broadcasted to you and the best you can do is put a like onto a social platform that then takes that data and puts it back into their marketing campaign. I think that's really it. There's a massive unlock of identity in there. And then the other thing I really believe is that it's going to greatly broaden what we think of as creative work. And the reason I say that is because scale is everything in technology. As soon as you make it possible for a community of a thousand people to sustain a creator, and and this can go all the way into digital IP of all kinds. Personally, I think this is not just entertainment or even art. I think this will get all the way into not only content and writing, but, but also maybe even science. So interesting. Well, I think it's a relief to hear you believe and say that, that we're going to expand beyond these crazy high-priced pieces of art that not everyone can wrap their heads around. Exactly. Um, so Michelle, are you hiring? We are definitely hiring and like to invite anybody who's listening to this who is in software engineering in any of the fields that we work in. And also, ironically, we do a lot with data science and ML in our platform to look us up. And then also we're growing our community. And so if you're interested in community evangelist kind of roles and helping to support the growth of the company in relation to all of the fan communities, that's great too. So please see us. You can check out our website, live.alu.io, and also email us or check out our Ah, awesome. Michelle, I, I've been working with over 40 universities worldwide driving blockchain development, and you're not only highly educated, but you're also celebrated having been inducted into the College and Engineering Hall of Fame at your alma mater, Kansas State University, being a Fulbright Scholar for Achievement in Science and Math. And you've also now dedicated yourself to educating others in the field. Uh, I just want to really appreciate you for being on the show today and for driving all kinds of new and interesting and exciting things that are happening using this technology for all of us to share in the future and opening up economics, right? You're upgrading the economics for the entertainment industry. And we really appreciate you sharing what Alluvio has been doing so successfully. Loved hosting you on Uber's podcast all about blockchain. Thank you listeners for your time. Your comments on my LinkedIn and feedback to Uber at ripple.com are always welcome. Catch you the next episode. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks, Michelle. 